This morning we are ending our series, Remnant. Oh. <laughs> uh, this morning we're ending our series, Remnant, and, we're, and next week we're beginning a new series called Forward. Forward, I'm very excited about that. Part of being a remnant, part of being a follower of Jesus Christ is to invest your time and energy into what matters to God. We have to ask, what really matters to God? What are the things that matter to God? And then we should be investing our time and energy, our resources in what matters to God. And in this case this morning, it's God's heart for the poor and the needy. If we truly want to understand God's passion, God's compassion for the poor and needy, we have to look no further than the life of his son, Jesus Christ. If you truly want to grasp God's heart for the poor, God's compassion for those in need, look no further than the life of Jesus Christ. As we read scripture, we find from the very beginning of Jesus' public ministry, his words were filled with hope and compassion for the poor. In Luke chapter 4, verses 18 and 19, he says this, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed and proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Now, I'm not trying to make more out of this passage than is already being said, but it was extremely important, extremely important to Jesus that the poor, they were the only ones basically singled out in this passage. And it was extremely important that Jesus made it clear to those who were needy, to those who were poor, that this gospel was for him. Now, obviously, the gospel is for everyone, but Jesus wanted to make absolutely sure that the poor understood that his gospel was for them. And his words are filled with, 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 with compassion and love and encouragement for the poor. And his life was lived out. That was lived out in his life. Those words that he spoke, and he spoke a lot of words about the poor and the needy and those who needed compassion. That was not only words from his mouth, but it was lived out in his life and in his ministry. Throughout the New Testament, we find Jesus spending a lot of his time with lepers, the lowly, and those other people would consider undesirable, if you will. We all know that. If you, even people who don't go to church very much, they, they understand that Jesus spent a lot of his time with like tax collectors and prostitutes and, and lepers and people. And he, he spent time healing the, the blind and taking care of those who were in need. Healing the sick. He had a loving heart for those who were hungry. And he calls us to do the same. He calls us to take our time and our energy and our resources and make sure we're doing the same thing. If we want to become like Jesus Christ, the goal of every Christian, the, God's will for your life is to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ, to become more like Jesus Christ. If you want to be more like Jesus Christ, then you have to follow him and do what he was doing. And he took care of those who were in need. And he calls us, he commands us to do the same. Now, one of the ways that we're doing that is through our food pantry. Our Mason food pantry serves over 700 people a month. 700 people a month. It's like a well-oiled machine. If you haven't been in there, if you've never been in there, you should go check it out. 
We've created a, a, a place where people can come in and, and not feel like they're in a, in a food pantry, but like a little Italian grocery store or something. It's really cool. And there's everything to choose from in there. It's amazing what we've been able to do. 700 people a month are being fed there. Now, I don't think most of us understand the magnitude of the work that is happening through the ministry of Grace Chapel because we hear it in bits and pieces. But after the Forward series, I don't think anyone will be misunderstanding how God is working through this church to impact not only our community, our church, and our community, but our country and around the world. One of the most challenging passages in the Bible, one of the most challenging passages, comes in, uh, it's Matthew chapter 25. And basically what Jesus is saying there is if you don't feed the hungry, if you don't clothe the naked, if you don't care for the sick, if you don't do, do those things, then you're going to face his ultimate judgment. It's very clear. Matthew 25, 31 through 46 says this, when the son of man comes in all of his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his, on his throne in the heavenly glory. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and his goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed of my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For when I was hungry, you gave me something to eat. When I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. When I was a stranger, you invited me in. When I needed clothes, you clothed me. When I was sick, you looked after me. When I was in prison, you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when do we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When do we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When do we see you sick or in prison and come to visit you? The king will reply, I tell you the truth, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. Then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you who are cursed into eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison. You didn't look after me. They also will answer, Lord, when do we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes and sick or in prison and didn't help you? He will reply, I tell you the truth. Whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. Then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. Why is this so important? Why, why is it so important? I mean, that's a pretty bold passage. It lays it out. Because as Psalm 146 points out, it is, it is central to God's nature and character to care for the poor and the oppressed. It's central to who he is. In Psalm 146 in verse 5, it, it, it continues. It says, blessed is he whose help is in God of, the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord his God, the maker of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them, the Lord who remains faithful forever. Listen, he upholds the cause of the oppressed and gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets prisoners free. The Lord gives sight to the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the alien and sustains the fatherless and and the widow, but he frustrates the ways of the wicked. The Lord reigns forever. Your God, O Zion, for all generations, praise the Lord. According to this scripture, according to this scripture, defending the poor, the weak, and the fatherless is an expression of God's essence. 
It's a part of who he is. If we want to be like our savior, it needs to become a part of who we are. And let me tell you, I am not gonna be criticizing Grace Chapel in this area. But what I will do is challenge us this morning to go beyond what we've already done. To, to remember to remember the passion that God has, the, the, the compassion that he has, the heart that he has for those who are in need and to own that heart, to have that heart, to be those kind of people that think beyond the normal, to think beyond the norm of what churches would regularly do for those in need and, and go beyond that because 2014 is a new year. We've been doing amazing things the past 13 years, but this is going on our 14th year and God is going to do things we couldn't possibly ask or imagine if we just have his heart. If we just hold on to his heart, we are that remnant that God has called out. And if we wanna be the kind of remnant that really impacts the world, we have to be just like him. We gotta be like our dad. We have to be like our father. Proverbs chapter 14, 31 puts it this way. He who opposes the poor shows contempt, contempt for their maker. But whoever is kind to the needy honors God. But again, only as we study the life of Jesus Christ can we truly understand, truly understand what God's, what God's uh, in, identification with the weak, the oppressed, and the poor really means. It's really as we study the life of Christ, as we look at the life of Jesus Christ and how he walked this earth and what he said and what he did that we can truly understand, understand God's heart for those who are in need. Speaking of Jesus, Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9, though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor. Think about it. Think about this. Jesus was born in an insignificant province in, in the Roman Empire, Right? It was insignificant. You think that, now you're talking about that, he says, it says there, though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor. He was God, he had everything. But when he came to earth, he took on the very nature of a servant. In Jewish society, his first visitors, the shepherds, were seen as no better than thieves. His parents, when they went to the temple to make a sacrifice, had to bring two doves instead of a lamb to the temple to make the, the, the offering of purification because they couldn't afford a lamb. So they brought two doves. Because he was a, a Jewish rabbi, he wasn't, he wasn't compensated for his teaching. So throughout his public ministry, Jesus didn't have a regular, regular income coming in, if you will. He never owned his own home. He was the king of the universe, and that's how he chose to live. In Matthew chapter 8 and verse 20, Jesus warns someone who says that, I want to, I'll follow you anywhere. He says, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. When he sent out his disciples, he didn't send them. He sent them with very little to sustain them. In, in Luke chapter 9, verse 3, it says, Take nothing for the journey, no staff, no bag, no bread, no money, no extra tunic. Now, I want to go back to that passage we just looked at, we just touched on, because it is really the clearest statement about Jesus' identification with the poor. Matthew 25, I'm going to read verses 35 and 36, and then verse 40. For when I was hungry, you gave me something to eat. When I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. When I was a stranger, you invited me. And when I needed clothes, you clothed me. When I was sick, you looked after me. When I was in prison, you came to visit me. The king replied, I tell you the truth. Whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. Let's just stop for a moment, okay? 
we're in church, listening to a sermon, but we need to stop for a moment and really try to grasp the implications of that passage. Think about that. Think about what he just said. Whatever you did for the least of these, you did for me. What do you think it means to feed and clothe the creator of the universe? Think about that. Whatever you did for the least of these, you did for me. When, when we go, when we feed 700 people at the food pantry, when we, deal, when, we drig, when we dig wells in Nigeria, when we feed the hungry, when we send people to school, we do all these things that we do through back-to-back ministries and how we invest in self-sustaining enterprises to fund back-to-back ministries and all the things we do locally, globally, things we did for people in our own church over Christmas, all those things... Think about the implications of that. When you get to heaven, you said, you know what? There's a family in our church that really needs help. They're really struggling. And I'm going to write a check this Christmas. I'm going to sacrifice. I'm going to write a check. When you get to heaven, do you understand that Jesus Christ is going to stand there and say to you, man, thank you so much for that gift that you gave me at Christmas. It was just, it was a hard time. And I really, I really needed that. And you sacrificed. And you can say, Lord, what are you talking about, man? What are you talking about? I, I never gave you a gift at Christmas. And he's going to bring to your mind that check that you gave for someone else, that sacrifice that you made for that child in Africa, the sacrifice that you made for someone in India, the sacrifice you made for someone in Mason. He's going to remind you of those things. He's going to say, whatever you did for the least of these, you did for me. Can we even comprehend it? See, all we can really, really do is look at the poor and the oppressed through new eyes through new eyes and make sure that we're doing everything in our power, everything that we can possibly do to end their suffering and and heal their pain. That's our responsibility. It isn't the responsibility of the government. It isn't the responsibility of the United Nations. It isn't the responsibility of anyone else. It is our responsibility. It is the church of responsibility to take care of its own. And then from there, to reach out to our community, to reach out to our nation, and to reach out to our world and take care of those who are in need. Now, I wanna wanna clarify something with you. It's really important. And we've talked about this before. In the Bible, there is a big difference between someone who is poor and what the Bible calls a sluggard. A poor person is usually poor based upon circumstances that are out of their control. They're out of their control. Now, there's a difference here. Well, for example, I'll give you an example. A a poor person would be, things are out of their control, would be a widow, an orphan. Something happens to someone and and they lose their job. They're in a difficult situation. Their, Their hours get cut back. Something happens that is usually out of that person's control that puts them in a very vulnerable position. If possible, and given the opportunity, a poor person will change their circumstances. A sluggard, on the other hand, according to the Bible, has no desire to change their situation. Given an opportunity, even through for long-term lasting help, they create excuses. They give reasons why they can't change. There's always some excuse. And here's what Proverbs 20 verse says, verse 4 says. Sluggards do not plow in season, so at harvest time they look and find nothing. And then in Proverbs chapter 24 verses 30 through 34 it says this. I went past the field of a sluggard, past the vineyard of someone who has no sense. Thorns had come up everywhere. The ground was covered with weeds and the stone, walls were, uh, the stone wall was in ruin. I applied, listen to this, I applied my heart to what I observed and learned a lesson from what I saw. 
a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come on you like a thief and scarcity like an armed man. There is a difference between a poor person and a slugger. And Christians sometimes don't don't differentiate. So we waste money, we waste resources, we waste time. What a sluggard needs is some good advice. A sluggard, for example, is a person who comes on here on Sunday morning, okay, and walks around and asks you for $20 because they have to help get their three-legged cat to the vet or because my grandmother died for the third time in, in North Carolina. Are they all kinds of reasons, all kinds of excuses. Most of the time, just so you know, they're lying. 98% of the time, they're lying. Now, I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just being honest. I've been doing this for over 30 years of my life. Most of the time when people come to you and when they show up at church just in time for the service to start, where everybody's mingling around, all these kind people are standing around at church and they come in with a story, okay? And if you follow up the story, 90% of the time, the story is not going to be true. They make their way around to different churches around here. They hit different churches, given the exact same story, trying to steal from kind-hearted people. That's what's basically happened. Do me a favor, and I, I, I'm glad I, I, I thought about this this week. Please do me a favor as members of Grace Chapel. If someone comes through that door and asks you for money, do not give it to them. Send them to a pastor. If they need food, we'll get them food. If they need clothing, we have a, food, we have a, 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 a thrift store. We'll get them clothing. But we want to follow up the story. It isn't kind-hearted. It isn't um, just, oh, we're just doing what Jesus would want us to do. What Jesus would want us to do is use our discernment, use our wisdom to find out this person is a sluggard or a per- poor person. If they're a poor person, Baby, we're going to do everything we can to help them. If they're a sluggard, what you do is give them some good advice, period. You give them good advice. There's only so much resources to go around. Only so much resources. What I find amazing is that almost every time a person comes through the door and is looking for money and they're invited to sit in a service, they they never do. In our church, I've never seen someone do that. Other churches, I have no idea. But we need to use the discernment that God has given us to differentiate between a poor person and a sluggard. That's what the Bible says. That's what the Bible teaches us to do. Use our thought process. They have no desire for for change, my friends. They're only playing you for money. And as they walk out to their car, they're not saying, man, that person was so nice. You know what they're saying? They're saying, sucker. We need to use our heads. We need to use our hearts. The truly poor, on the other hand, we need to have compassion and we need to help. We need to help. We need to defend and care for them to the point of personal sacrifice. I mean, you giving something up in your own life. When it comes to a poor person, when it comes to someone truly in need, when someone's reaching out for help, and even if it is a slugger, reach out and help them. Just don't give them what they're asking for. Give them what they need. Give them your time. Give them some time. Invest in your lives. Confront them, okay? Confront them in the Lord. Maybe no one's ever done that before, taken the time to invest in their lives. But when it comes to a poor, poor person, we need to personally sacrifice because one day we're all going to stand before God in heaven and have to give account for how we've used the resources that he has given us. Our money doesn't belong to us. It belongs to God. We are stewards of what God has given us. 
And so when we see people in need, we have to respond to that need. When it's genuine need, we have to respond because we will be held accountable. So before that day comes, you need to ask yourself some questions. How is it then that we can let Jesus Christ walk for miles to get water? How is it that we allow Jesus to feel the pain of starvation? How can we let him go blind? How can we let him go deaf? You see, Jesus, you say, what are you talking about? Whatever you did for the one of the least of these, you did for me. Whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. Jesus feels it all. He feels the pain of the lonely. He's in every cry for help. He's in every child that takes their last breath. My friends, he, he, feels, the, he feels the pain of that child in Cincinnati who's been abandoned who's been neglected by their parents. He feels the pain. He understands it. We need to feel his heart. Jesus is not an outsider observer of our pain, but a participant with us in our pain, and we need to participate with others in their pain as well. As the body of Christ, as his church, we need to do everything in our power, everything in our power to bring hope and help to those in need. And one of the ways that we do that here at Grace Chapel is through SWAP, through SWAP. Some of you, you've heard it, you've seen it back there, you don't really truly understand what it is. SWAP means sacrificing with a purpose. SWAP means giving up something you want to make sure someone else has something that they need. It's giving up. What SWAP does is it creates a, a, a culture of giving within the church. Let me share a couple ways that people have swapped in the past in our church. We had some girls a few years back who, when prom time came around, they, they didn't buy new prom dresses. They switched with each other. You wore this last year, I'll wear, this, I'll wear it this year, we'll do a little thing to it. They saved the money. They swapped buying a prom dress, all of them, and they bought a cow for a family in Africa. So they swapped what they wanted to make sure someone else had something they needed. We've had children swap ice cream cones, like ice cream. Let's go out for ice cream. The child would say, no, I, I'm going to swap my ice cream so I can buy a chicken for someone who needs a chicken. We've had, we've had uh, families in the church swap their vacation to help the victims of that tsunami a few years back. And those are only a, a few examples of how we've swapped. We have swapped hundreds, hundreds of thousands of dollars in this church for people in need. Other churches, other organizations have swapped hundreds of thousands of dollars as well. We have made such a difference in the lives of people by using SWAP because SWAP creates a culture of giving within the church. You begin to think to yourself, do I really need another pair of $90? I'm not picking on people. You get a pair of shoes, buy a pair of shoes. But my, here's my point. Do I, you're thinking to yourself when you go to reach for the shoes, you think, mm, do I really need another $90 or $100 pair of shoes when that same $90 or $100 can buy a sewing machine for a woman and, and her children in, in India, and that creates a job for her. It creates a sustainable job for her where she can feed her family and take care of the people around her. And so you go, mm, you know what? I want those shoes. I want them, but I'm gonna give up what I want to make sure someone else has something that they need. Now, what we've done at Grace Chapel this year is every month is a different focus on the swap wall. January is Nigeria. We're focusing on Nigeria. And, I, and, and Jason and Emily, you guys are here, right? Why don't you guys come on up? Jason's here? All right, Jason, come on up. Jason's going to share with us some of the things that are going on in Nigeria. 
okay, and how, how we can be involved, how we can help. I'll share a few things that are back in the swap wall after he's finished uh, speaking to us. Thanks, buddy. Okay. Thanks, Jeff. Yeah, uh, Jeff is 100% correct. We, um, as a ministry, funding that c- comes in through swap or sponsorship is huge. In September and October, we did our strategic planning, and what we focused on was depth. That's the key word that we use is depth. What are we doing right now, and how can we make it better? So three things that we're doing right now is our education. We're, all the kids that we work with right now, we're getting them into the best schools that we can possibly get them into. Uh, number two, which is really exciting, last month we just hired a Nigerian psychologist in Nigeria. This is going to help us. Uh, get at a depth of the children that we haven't been able to, to help the child that we haven't been able to do before. And uh, the other one is our vocational program. We just started a vocational program. In Nigeria, it's very difficult. You could get as much education as possible, but with very little opportunity, you don't have, an, you don't have that opportunity to use your education. So a lot of people fall back. So to give them a vocation as well. Looking back at 2013, on what we did well was what was a huge success was SWAP and our sponsorship. And I just want to share a little story. When I was uh, in Nigeria this last time, I was in the village, and everybody in the village knows me. I was there with a group of people, and we were there for a couple hours. And as I was leaving, one of the widows came running up to me. We said bye, and as as we were leaving, one of the widows came running up to me, and she, she put her arm around my neck, and she put her head to my head, and her, her eyes started to water. And first of all, to kind of paint a picture, Nigerian culture, um, there's hierarchy. There's class system. And because I'm a Westerner, I'm immediately put in a certain class. doesn't matter how I act, what I say, or what I do. I'm immediately put in that upper class. A widow in a village is, as Jeff has said many times, is one of the lower class and the fact that she did that to me in front of all these people, mm. something, was, something was up. And she, she whispered in my ear, thank you for all that you're doing for Jeremiah. See, Jeremiah is her son. She's a widow. She has a son, Jeremiah. And Jeremiah is in our education program. And we have someone that sponsors him $100 a month. And that goes into his education. That goes into his, his meal that he gets every day at an education center. Just like everybody here that has children... You hope for the best for your kids. Well, whether you're in Mason, Ohio, or whether you're in a Kisayip village in Nigeria, you have hope for your children, and she has hope for her child, Jeremiah, and she wants the best for him. And because of people giving, whether it be swap or sponsorship, it's being fulfilled. The people here don't always see it, but this is a story that kind of paints the full picture that... It is doing what it's supposed to be doing, and that is a success story. And there's so many more stories. And as Jeff said, um, we've benefited so much from swap and sponsorship. So if God puts it on your heart to swap or come to me later and say, hey, I would like to sponsor a child, please, um, please talk to me because it has been a huge success, and it allows us to do what we need to do to help them. Like the psychologist, that's how we help fund, um, fund her pay. Her name's Patience. And um, she's on staff with us now. So we pay her through sponsorship money, through swap money to help fund that. So um, Jeff can talk more, but we've, like you said, chickens, goats. We've had so many different things that all provide, um, help us meet a need for what we're doing. So thanks. Thanks so much, buddy.
Great job. Great job. Hey, you know what's really great, too? What's really great, and uh, Kev, if you're here, just come on up, because I'm going to talk while you're coming up. What's really great is, you know, we, we get the cows, and we get the goats, and we get the chickens, and we get all that kind of stuff, and we provide immunizations, and we do all of that. What's really cool is we also provide for the emotional needs. When you've been abused, you need help. You know what I mean? Your feeding is great. To be fed is fine, but you need the help. So emotional needs, spiritual needs, physical needs, all the needs are being met. And the greatest thing is we know they're being met because our people are on the ground in Nigeria, in India, in Mexico, in Haiti. They're there. You want to see where your money's going? Go and visit and talk to the child that you're sponsoring. Talk to the child that you fed. Go see the goats that you bought for this family that now they can have milking goats. We can show you the things that God is doing through the sacrifice that we're making. It's awesome. Another, another, and for, the, for Nigeria, there's swap cards back there. Swap, basically, you go to the swap boy, you say, hey, that's a need I want to meet. You take the need, you take it off the wall, you put the money in a little box below the cross, and then you put the needs met on the needs met side of the, of the cross. Just stick it over there, and we know the need is met, and then we send that money through SSE and back-to-back, and it gets to where it's supposed to go. Um, this, is, this has been such an amazing ministry for us, and another amazing ministry that's come up is this new camp that we have, and uh, Kevin's going to share how we can get involved in helping uh, at the camp. Yeah, this opportunity is really going to be a fun one, and uh, when, when I speak about this, the men in the audience will say, hey, he's kind of talking to us. But I do not want, this is not a men-exclusive thing. So you ladies, kids, teenagers, listen up. Uh, this is a very cool opportunity uh, because it's going to link three things at least that you've heard us kind of talk about while we've up here. The camp, our brand new camp that we are integrally involved with are going to help program that thing. And it's going to be a home away from home for Grace Chapel and, uh, and all of our ministries for a long time to come. And so that's one thing. You've heard us talk about that, but it's very real. You know, you can go out there. Uh, it's tangible. We can do that. The second thing is uh, just a couple of weeks ago, Jeff talked about uh, sending some underprivileged kids and some foster kids to that camp to give them the opportunity. That's exactly what he was talking about this morning. Yep. Doing for the least of these kids who can't do that for themselves have no way to ever experience something like that before. And we are going to provide that this summer for Amen. at least 30, maybe more, hopefully a lot more than that. And so that's the second thing. The third thing is you've heard me talk a little bit about this out there on the sign-up table in the bulletin about Kefalo Nights. This is a, a men's retreat opportunity that's going to happen uh, maybe even close to monthly, but very, very uh, frequently. This three weeks from this weekend, the 24th and the 25th, uh, this past weekend out there at camp, they demolished the lodge. Okay, <laughs> The lodge was not really a lodge. If you think about it, it was just way too small, too constrictive, couldn't hold enough people, couldn't feed enough people. And that was one thing that was holding back programming there at camp. That is flattened now <laughs> to make room for a lodge, a giant lodge. And so over the next three months, we are, and a bunch of other people are going to be helping construct and raise like a barn raising and put up a brand new one. And so if you have skills in uh, concrete, plumbing, electrical, at any point. Just come see me and say, hey, I have a day or two here and there. I can help, and I'll put you in touch with them. But on the January 24th and what the 25th. What about people who can't do any of that <coughs> stuff? Can they still help? Well, yeah. January 24th and 25th, that's a Friday evening and then through Saturday, we are going to have a good old-fashioned barn raising. And um, 
If you can spend the night and do the Kefalo Nights thing on Friday night, fine. If you could come only on Saturday um, and help bar raise that barn, hopefully by that time we'll be in the, in the context of uh, putting walls up, trusses, maybe even putting metal on the side of the roof and things like that. And so we, wanna, we want a massive crowd from here to go that weekend and help raise that. One of the things I think that is really making this project special is the time between working and seeing the fruits of that is so short. Mm. I mean, that's just this summer. So you can actually go there, do the work, and then in a few months you can see those kids having that opportunity at camp. We talked about swapping your money. This is an opportunity for you to swap comfort. And in my ministry life, in the last 25, 30 years of my ministry life, I've learned that it's way more difficult for people to swap comfort than it is to swap money. It's easy to say, well, I have 20 bucks extra here. I'll buy a chicken. But for you to say, I'd be willing to come out in January in the cold, maybe cut my finger or smash my finger with a hammer, you know, whatever, to swap your comfort, to swap going out of your comfort zone. I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to do that. It's a whole lot harder to do that. So I'm asking you on January 24th and 25th to swap your comfort, come out, help raise a barn. It's not going to be a barn. It's going to be a lodge. It's going to help some kids really enjoy learning more about Christ. Amen. I, I have a sign-up sheet out there. You come talk to me about that. Excellent. Thanks, buddy. Um, as you can see, you know, there are things, there, there is something for everyone. We want to make sure that we take care of the people in our own church first, and we do that, and we do it well. We do it to the best of our ability. Then we look outside of our church and our community and say, how can we help in our community? One of the ways that we really want to help and continue to help is through the kids in foster care, at-risk kids in the inner city. And like Kevin was saying, we're going to try to send 30 of those children to the camp. We're going to pay for them to go to camp this summer so we can be actively involved in the lives of children within our own community who need our help. And then again, around the world, all around the world, we're going to be impacting the lives of people. We, we're going to be continuing to drill wells. To, we've drilled over 100 120 wells servicing over 125,000 people. That is lives, my friend. That is lives. That is, that is, we can measure those in people's lives being saved, not dying, and then being invested in emotionally, spiritually, all these areas. God has been doing amazing things. And through the Forward series, we'll share some of those things as we go forward and we talk about, we're going to share them in greater detail on how you can be more involved in each area of, of ministry here at Grace Chapel. I want to encourage you, if you will, to go back to the Swapple after the service to make sure that you look at that wall. And part of Swap, understand something. Part of Swap is not, I have an extra $25 or $30 or $50 or $1,000. Part of Swap is to think through, what can I, so I don't care if any of those are gone, unless you can think of something this morning, as long as they're gone next week. Think of what can I sacrifice, lunch today, whatever else, what can I give up? What can I give up to make sure someone else has something they need? What want can I sacrifice to give someone else something that will change their lives? It is a part of who we are here at Grace Chapel. It will continue to be a part of who we are. And if we work together, if we work together, God will do immeasurably more than all we could ever ask or imagine in the years to come. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for this day. God, thank you for the opportunity we have to come and be your body, your remnant. Father, this series may be over, 
But our hearts, what it means to us to be a remnant, what it means to be a follower of your son, Jesus Christ, a follower of yours, what that means never leaves our hearts. We pray that we would now move forward into a new series. And Lord God, that we would start applying in in profound ways what you've taught us. I pray that we would be bolder than we were before, that we would be radical, Lord God, in our faith that we would be fanatics in what you have called us to do through your word. Father, we want to be your people. We ask, we open up our hearts, we open up our minds, we open up our lives for you to pour into us and use us in ways we never thought possible. And God, we'll be thankful and we'll praise you and we'll give you the glory in advance for what you're going to do. We will always give you the glory for everything that happens in this church, Lord God. It comes from you, and we praise you for it. Please use us as your servants. Use us to lead, Lord God. Use us to impact lives. And as we all grow older and we look back on our lives, we will see a life well-lived because we served you with our whole hearts. In Jesus' precious and holy name, we, your remnants, give you glory and ask that you, Lord God, would be lifted up through our energy and our time. In Jesus' precious and holy name, amen. Have a great, great week.